The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome back to the Source of Truth podcast. And we're so grateful that you've taken time to be with us today and be part of uh, the Word of God. Uh, If you're joining us in the Word of God and following along, uh, if you can, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 81 this morning. Psalm chapter 81. And as we look at this, there's these sections of the book of Psalms. And uh, one thing, I'm just going to share a simple thing that I just did a minute ago. Uh, Sometimes when you look at um, Psalms or a context or whatever chapter you're in, a lot of times you want to say, what's going on? What's surrounding? What's the purpose of this chapter? And so if you have what many call study Bible, a lot of even your basic what's called reference Bibles will do this, is somewhere on the page they will give you some explanation of what's taking place. And so this one, um, this Bible to Cambridge, right at the top, it gives a list of what's happening in these pages of Psalm. Prayer for deliverance, exhortation to praise God, judges have been reproved, the psalmist complains to God. So those are the four the primary things happening in the chapters right here and that would be accurate very much to what's happening and we what we just talked about last time and uh, what we're talking about again today so psalm 81 is a unique one because for a little bit in this entire premise of of the struggle that the children of Israel are having in captivity, please remember, as a result of their own decisions, we'll see again that in a second, what that means or more detail behind that, but they find themselves in these circumstances and they're just begging God for deliverance. And, and, the, and so in the process of you see a little bit of what God does. So in this section of scripture, we get to hear from God. We get to hear from God in the midst of all. So as God is praising, he he gives in, as the people are repenting or as they're in the midst of this turmoil, God gives levels of instruction of what he was hoping for. And then in that, what he would do if they would just follow him, what he would do. So let's take a few minutes and break through this chapter, Psalm chapter 81. Let's begin in verse 1. The psalmist said, Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel and the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn day, feast day. For this was a statue for Israel and a law of God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for testimony, that he went out throughout the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. So he starts off with the first talking about worship to God and the importance of it. He goes, not just worship, bring different instruments, let's go. He said, this is part of our tradition. This is what God's commanded. So we remember what he did for us in Egypt and all these things. And so he's just kind of reminding Israel of what they've chosen to go away from. What You say forgotten. Um, you know, here's a great way to look at it. We're looking here just a couple weeks at the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And so this is a great way to look at it. When I think of my oldest son, who is now 20, he'll turn 21 in January, and my daughter, who's 18. So my son was just a few months old, just, just less than a year old when the attacks came on, on 9-11. My daughter is born, you know, three, two and a half, three years later. So they have grown up knowing. We've taken them to the 9-11 Museum. We've talked about it. They've seen it. But when I walked through the 9-11 Museum, 
uh, not that long ago in New York City. And I watched the video clips of President Bush standing on the rumble and saying they will hear from all of us soon. And I watched the news broadcast from all the different talking about people who are hurt. The buildings come down. Our children look at it and they see the news and, and they, they recognize New York and they recognize some of the people. They still recognize President Bush. But to them, they're looking and seeing my history. To me, as I'm walking through and I'm seeing even the big cross beam that they have down there, they pulled from uh, Ground Zero and that big beam that was a cross, it's still down in Ground Zero in the museum right now. I look at it and I look at that and there's, there's an emotional attachment to the history. So I remember it. I remember where I was, what I was thinking, the emotion that still absorbs me when I think about that day. My children understand it because of what I've told them. So they remember what happened because they were told. They didn't experience it. And that's much of what we see in this section, in, in the battle that Israel had, and, and we still have today. You know, we can talk about what God's done for us, but the generation knows it. But there's a difference between a knowledge of what happened and experience. And so what, he's, what they're saying is they forgot. Well, they forgot because they know what they were told, but they had not experienced themselves. So it was easier to walk away from what, what they believe God said because, well, I remember what they did in Egypt, but it wasn't me. I wasn't there. You know, that was my ancestors. It's easy for us to remember what we should have learned as a country from 9-11 because much of the people who are now adults say, well, I wasn't there, really. I heard about it. And that's kind of the idea in our walk with God is the worship we're talking about, it's a constant worship. We in a church, we do one, one of our ordinances is the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder of what God did 2,000 years ago to, so that we can do our best to have an experience of what God's done for us on the cross. And that's the point of the worship. What it does is he's explaining that we are constantly putting God back in his place of prominence and sovereignty in our lives. It's a choice we make. But then he goes on and he talks a little more about what he asked of the people, of the children of Israel. Verse 8, hear, O my people, I will testify unto thee, your Israel, if thou will hearken unto me. Catch that. If you will hearken, listen, obey me, verse 9, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So he says, I, I, I get away from the fake gods. Get away from the things that you find important in this world and follow me. It's what God is saying. It's the instruction God has given to the children of Israel. And he's pleading with them to do that. I am the one that brought you out of Egypt. That's why I asked you to worship. I am the one that has given you the freedom. Your heritage, your blessing, all that you've enjoyed to this point is because of me, not because of these false gods that aren't even real. Then he says, I am the Lord thy God, the Lord, number one, only God. I am thy God, your God. You need to put me in a place of preeminence and listen and obey. But here's the problem. My people would not hearken to me. He said, I begged them. And then he goes on and says, here's what happens. Because of this, he said, so verse 12, so I gave them up into their own hearts 
lust. You say, let them have what they wanted, and they walked in their own counsels, their own desire. Their own counsels would literally be in their own advice, their own plan, what they thought was right, what they thought was important, what the media would have told them. Today, we would say what the media said was right, what Hollywood says right, what the culture dictated was right, was what they were going to do. It wasn't God, it wasn't the Bible, it was the culture that dictated it, or, or the carnal leadership of the day. And he says, that's what was wrong. Verse 13, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me. And Israel had walked in my way. I love this. Here's what he says. If they had done this, this is what I would have offered to them. Verse 14. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also out of the finest of wheat and with the honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. He said, I would have eliminated your enemies, always made you victorious, and I would have given you such a peaceful and blessed and fulfilled life if you had just followed me. It's what I wanted. So what you see in those last few verses, you see God saying, this is my heart for Israel. This is what I wanted you to have. And all I asked you to do is follow, and you chose not to. You know, God says the same thing today. He's given us the Old Testament. You can learn from the New Testament, very specific instructions for the church today. He says, if you would just do this, but you know, we, we do the same thing today. And it, it kind of goes back to why God in his sovereignty would place the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil in, 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 in Garden of Eden. They were perfect. Why would God put something there that would have even tempted them? Because worship always demands a choice. It's not worship if it's not chosen. I'm not choosing to worship God if there's not a choice. And so all they had to do was accept all of the absolute blessing and, and utopia of Eden that God offered to them and just say no to the one thing. And it wasn't the fact that that tree was any better than the rest of the trees of the garden. It was just the fact that it was, as Satan had convinced them, it was the one thing God wouldn't let them have. And we still have that selfish nature today. And we still say, but I want this and I want that, or I think this is better. You know what God is saying? Ignore the carnal leadership. Ignore the world and the culture and just follow the Bible. Just love me. He says, here's why. Because I have some amazing blessings I want to give in your life. I have fulfillment. I want to offer your family this. I want to offer you this. I want, to, I want the world to see me glorified through you. But just, that's what I want. He wants so much for you. He wants so much for us. The key comes down when we follow him, when we obey him, when we submit to him and allow him to do that. And that doesn't mean always mean it's going to be easy. We commit to Christ. We follow him. Yeah, and even as he told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of all of that, we can see God do amazing things and just keep him first. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's what he wants. Faith that has actions that moves. And that's what he wants to do. He gave them a choice. He had such an amazing place. You know, I wonder when we get to heaven and we can look back for a short period of time, because at one point God's going to wipe away the tears, which I believe means he's going to wipe away our memory of the failures we made on this earth. But I wonder if we get to heaven. I don't know if this is true or not, but I wonder if one day we'll get to heaven and, and realize all that God wanted to do with us. All that what God wanted to do for us, all that God wanted to do through us, all that God wanted to do for us, to us, in our lives as blessings, if we had just obeyed and just submitted. I wonder what we get there and say, oh my, if I just had. He's not going to tell us. We'll only see it at the end. We have to trust in faith he'll do it. So we keep going. In faith, we keep going. Galatians, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Keep going. Don't give up, but put him first. 
put him in the position he deserves in worship. The worship, church, none of this is about me. It's all about him. Boy, Satan wants it to be about us. He wants us to be focused on us, but it's about him. And may that be what drives us. Thank you for taking this time on this morning or whether you're listening and watching this live or archived later. Thanks for just participating with this and giving me a chance to share God's word with you. I hope it challenges you, inspires you, encourages you, and hopes it draw, hope it draws you closer to God. May our hearts always be fixed on him because he has all the answers to every question today. Thank you again for the chance to be part of your day. We look forward to seeing you next time.